Hi, and welcome back to 20 Minutes in the Text, Seeing Christ in the Text. Uh, if you were with us last time, you know that we started a new segment uh, where Andrew and I are starting to look at confirmation verses and how they uh, function in their context, but then also how they are uh, fitting into our typology mold and point to Christ and then are fulfilled in Christ. So last week, we took a look at Psalm 119, verse 105, my confirmation verse. This week, Andrew, we will be looking at your confirmation verse, which is? It is Isaiah 41, verse 10. Um, and I'll just go ahead and read it real yeah, fast. Yeah. Um, it goes this way. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's a nice one. Yes. Sort of like a... Given to me uh, by my pastor on hmm. my confirmation day. Uh, we did not choose our passages. Hmm. That was interesting. But we um, we made confirmation banners. So we I see. As a kind of a capstone type project, we designed a banner based on a biblical passage of our choosing. I see. But then we're given, assigned to us, a separate confirmation verse on our confirmation day, hmm. um, which is interesting. So in the front of the church on confirmation Sunday, all of our individual banners were displayed. It was kind of a cool thing. I still have mine uh, rolled up in a tote in my basement currently. So. <laughs> nice. nice. So um, when you were given this uh, verse, I don't know about you, but last week when I uh, prepped for looking at my confirmation verse, I came across a lot of things that I just didn't look up when I was in eighth grade, right? Um, anything that caught your eye sort of gives context to what we're reading about yeah. Um, so the specifically the two verses that precede it, um, we'll talk about in depth here in just a little bit, but um, that there's an identity that God gives to his people. And so verse mm. 10 is uh, kind of a part two to a, a three verse section here, verses eight, nine, and 10 that work together of, um, you know, in the greater context of, of God speaking words of comfort to his people. Yeah. He, he identifies them as his people and as such are given this command not to fear and not to be dismayed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, just it's, an, it's, it's nestled right at the beginning of kind of a change in tone in the, the text of Isaiah. Okay. So, um, yeah, Isaiah being written in and around the, the fall of Israel. Okay. I believe uh, 722 BC, give or take. The range. It falls probably in the range of yeah. uh, Pascal. Um, and say. so uh, somewhere there between <clears throat> uh, 740 and 680 something, I think is kind of the lifespan of Isaiah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, God's people aren't necessarily facing green pastures at this point in their history. And yeah. so um, they're being set up to not face them. Right. With, yes. If Israel's fallen, uh, Judah will fall to Babylon, and then you know Cyrus and the Persians will come in to restore it. But still, they're in for a long road ahead. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so I think one thing that I, I found out just in general about Isaiah is there's there's a handful of scholars who would divide this book into two parts, mm. and Isaiah has sixty six chapters. Okay. Um, and 
this first section of judgment and promise comp is comprised of these first 39 chapters. And the last 27 chapters uh, make up this book of comfort. And if uh, those three numbers, 66, 39, and 27, uh, are ringing familiar, there's 39 books sure. in the Old Testament, um, which as a, a gross overstatement, um, you know, speaks a lot of the promise of the Messiah and walks us through a lot of the judgments uh, that God's people face in the Old Testament era. And then the 27 books of the New Testament, which speak of Jesus and then the, the Christian writings um, that are that make up our scriptures. And just kind of a cool microcosm of the biblical corpus, which I thought is unique. But so how do those how do those two sections shake out and where does specifically your confirmation verse fall? Yeah, so uh, my confirmation verse, Isaiah 41, sets itself kind of in the beginning of this book of comfort. Mm -hmm. And so as you flip through kind of the editorial headings, you'll see that Isaiah 40 is comfort, comfort for my people. And so you've got mm -hmm. um, a handful of verses through chapter 40. You see kind of three voices of comfort. You know, a voice cries in the wilderness, um, prepare the way. You have that in there. You've got a voice reminding us that while all men are like grass, which wither and fade, the word of the Lord stands forever. You've got a voice at the very beginning reminding the people of Israel that, that while many are their sins, uh, more is the, the comfort and the grace mm. that their sins are covered. Mm. And why is it that this voice can speak to us? Well, it's because this voice is a God of comfort. Uh, and this God of comfort is is incomparable when set up against the nations of the world, the idols that people have established, um, the nature of creation itself. Yeah. God is is bigger and and bolder and above and beyond all of these things. So this is going to be important too. I mean, if it's being written at a time where um, Israel has fallen and the prophecy of Judah falling, um that is going to be needed, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it, you know, I think that it's sort of, um, you know, uh, when when the verse says, fear not, um, that is hard to do, especially thinking about the context, right? Yeah. I mean, at least if I was putting myself in those shoes, sort of God saying, fear not, while all of these forces are working against me and my people, how does that? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is a great Christian paradox. Yeah. I mean, for for Old Testament and New Testament Christians alike. Right. Um, how do we, how do we sit in the truth of God's call, God's command um, through the patriarchs all the way to fear not and to have no fear when mm. over and over these words are spoken, when our eyes would tell us, Fear is what we should be doing. Mm. And yet the truth of God's word remains because we know that the God who comforts us is the God who uh, has and will and always will be our conqueror. Mm. You know, the one that conquers nations, the one that conquers idols, the one that conquers sin, death, and the devil. And so as we, again, as this the text in chapter 41, you know, builds on this idea of comfort for his people. Um, 
it's going to set aside the, the fear of of nations and the fear of, of the idols and, and the people outside of this with God's people and the truth that in faith, absolutely, we can fear not mm. uh, because of who God is. Mm. So um, let's, let's just real quick, let's pause. And I want to take us into this verse eight, nine, and 10. Okay. Um, yeah, do you good. have it? If you have it in front of you, why don't you, if you would yeah, sure. read those three verses for us. Yeah. So here, here's uh, Isaiah 41, eight through 10. But you, Israel, my servants, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Okay. It's really nice, the, the context of it. Yeah. So... So Mason, if, if as you're reading that, you see that God identifies his people. We mentioned that at right, the onset. Right. Um, and then God comforts his people um, with a promise of rescue. Yeah. And because of the fact that there is the identification of Israel, Jacob, and Abraham, that, that's really my favorite part. I mean, your confirmation verse is great, but that <laughs> that part of the context of Abraham, my friend, because I think that really it it enlivens what your confirmation verse is trying to communicate, right? God is asking the people to fear not. And what better way to solidify the, the peace that they should have in God than naming and reminding them of people who God told to fear not. They went through some bad stuff, but yet God pulled them through and kept his promise. Yeah. And so I think that's beautiful that God, uh, through Isaiah's writing, Abraham, my friend, like you people are even more than my friend, right? You're you're my people. Yeah. Um, and so, it, man, it's that's it's beautiful. You know, so so God is is truly the words of Isaiah here are are hearkening back and pointing to history, mm. saying these people that you have learned about, that you know about, that I have been in this relationship with. Yeah. You Israel, you're a part of them. And so as we get into verse 10, uh, fear not for I am with you, right? This command does kind of a positive and a negative way. In a negative way, it says, look, Israel, you are not like these nations who are trembling and fearing. You, Israel, are not like these who worship these false gods who are falling in fear at the feet of God the Father, Yeah, you know, the triune God. But in a positive way, it's saying... You are Israel, fear not, because you are like Jacob and Abraham, mm. in that my promise or my command to them to fear not because I'm with them. I was with them. I am with you also. Yeah. It gives that both corporate understanding of the salvation, but also the individual understanding of the salvation too, right? Which is needed, right? Even today, you know, the... God has always saved his people, yeah. even when they disobey. And God's going to keep on doing that because that's what yeah. God does. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, this next, this phrase, this idea of, of do not be dismayed is a follow-up yeah. of, of what's going on. So yes, yeah. do not fear, but also do not be dismayed. So his command, do not be afraid because living in fear is going to cause this 
this action of, of being dismayed, this, mm-hmm. this living in anxiety, mm-hmm. this watchful fearfulness, mm. you know, so uh, do not fear and don't live in fear. In other words, yeah. you know, you've got these, this emotion and this lifestyle or um, expression of this emotion in our daily mm. life. And why are we not to be dismayed? Well, remember, people, I am your God, and I am with you. Right? Um, walk in the truth of my words. Listen to the comfort that I'm telling you. And this is how, even though your eyes see all this disaster befalling you, your faith, I am speaking to you in faith and saying, yes, but I am your God, and I am with you in the midst of this. Um, and I am your God, Emmanuel. Yeah. You know, uh, tying us, pointing us again yeah. ahead and backwards to Christ. And then he, it, it's this, uh, it's another thing, wonderful thing that this verse does is, you know, he gives the command. He tells them why he, they shouldn't fear because I am your God. And then because he is their God, he gives them examples of how he's going to show forth his power as their God, right? So yes. in in the, the conclusion of, of verse 10, right? The, yeah. the three phrases that he says. Yeah, so we've got uh, three promises from our God who is with us. Right. right. Our God with us, I will strengthen you. Um, our God who is with us says, I will help you. And our God who is with us says, I will uphold you. Mm. Right? And so... God uh, is going to strengthen us. That's 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 an interesting concept, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so God, God provides. He has provided. He does provide. He will provide all that that you and I need uh, in faith to mm-hmm. to face what's coming upon us. Right? Not that that this is some sort of uh, infusion of uh, spiritual power that, you know, gives us a a leg up on everybody else and and causes us to stand firm, but almost uh, a backwards reliance again on, on God himself. Yeah. You know, so God's going to strengthen us, but how is he going to strengthen us? To rely on his strength. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's nice. Um, Yeah. An interesting concept. Uh, there and and God again will help us. Well, how is He going to to help us? Well, it's not necessarily saving us from our our worldly and earthly enemies. Otherwise, this would be ludicrous. Right? Yeah. God promising to strengthen yeah. and help Israel and then immediately send them into exile. Yeah. Right. But instead, um, God is going to help us uh, in times of trouble with this reliance on His strength. Yeah. And with salvation through Him, um, which which comes forth in his upholding us with his righteous right hand. Mm. And so in, in the Old Testament, in, in the prophetic books of our Old Testament, right, the idea of, of the hand or the arm, or especially yeah. the right hand or the right arm, is this idea of power yeah. and salvation. And so what is it? Well, God in his power, in his uh, first fruits, in his the best of what he is is going to uphold us and strengthen us and help us not just with what's left, not just if we're good enough, yeah. um, but with all the power and the might and the majesty that God has, he will uphold us. 
so I think those, specifically those three, right, the strengthen, the help, the uphold, I think that those really do tie into and find their fulfillment in the incarnated Christ. Yeah. Right? And you have it mostly as examples from people who are saying it, right? So uh, a lot of Paul. Yeah. Okay. So um, Paul writes that, you know, our strength, as you said, our strength is in finding the fact that God usually, uh, when God gives us strength, usually it's through our weakness to see his strength, mm-hmm. right? So Second uh, Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, it's a good one. Uh, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I will realize that it is always, always, always Christ's strength that strengthens me. Yeah. I will strengthen you, God says. God who is with us will be our strength. Right. And again, seeing this in Christ, God saying, I am your God. I am your God with you. Mm. I am dwelling among you in Christ. And in Christ, not just I'll give you strength, but I will be in Christ your strength. And that helps us. Yeah. And um, in so much as, you know, Paul, again, in 2 Corinthians makes note of this, you know, what is it that makes us weak? Well, it's our sin. And so how does God help us in this weakness of our sin to be our strength? Well, again, the answer isn't necessarily what you'd expect. Right. Yeah. And so God helps us in our weakness of sin by then making backwardly, backwardsly, yeah, in a backward manner, becoming our very weakness for us. Yeah. Yeah. So 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he, meaning Jesus, or uh, he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, right? Yeah. What Luther talked about, the great exchange. Jesus gives us his righteousness, and he takes on to himself our sin. Yeah. And in many ways, that's obviously the, the, the best help that one could have. Yes. Right? And it's not, it's not practical. Worldly wisdom doesn't look at that and go, oh, yeah, well, of course, to be strong, we got to be weak. Right. Or to be helped, um, God has to become the very thing that is... We need help from. Yeah. And yet, that's the, the very way that, that he perfectly is our strength and our help. And I, I don't think it's hard as um, theologians to read a passage like this and not immediately at this last line, you know, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand, not yeah. think creedal language uh, that, that Christ. He ascends. And where does he ascend to? What do we confess? To the right hand of the Father. Right hand of the Father. Yeah. And again, these words aren't just something that we have made up in history, but again, what Christ says about himself. Right. Before When he's before the council, so this is from Luke 23, verse 69. Uh, Jesus is saying to the council, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Right. So really focusing in on not the fact that Jesus is going to be chained to the right side of God forever in heaven, right? But the fact that Jesus in ascending to the right hand means Jesus now has, in the incarnation, there is the humiliation, right? He he became sin. In the resurrection, in the ascension, 
he has taken back on all the power and authority, right? So in that, he is upholding us because of the fact that he has the divine power. Yeah. Mm. So, so again, we have our God who is with us in Christ, who is our strength, who is our help, who is all of the power and the might and the majesty mm. that we need on our behalf. Mm. now reverses course almost and we see these two commands to fear not and to not be dismayed less as a burden and more a natural consequence of what happens when our god is with us in christ yeah so so god speaks to you and he speaks to me in this passage through the prophet isaiah to say i have all the might and the power and the majesty and with that power i am your help and I am your strength in Christ, the way that I am with you in the incarnation. Therefore, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be dismayed about because in the end, eternally, I have taken care of all things for you and everything is gonna be okay Yeah. for eternity. It is good to have the creator and recreator of everything on our side. Absolutely. And for that, we should fear not. Yes. May you rest in the power and uh, majesty of Christ who has been your help and your strength and who will be your help and your strength today and every day. May yeah. that be blessing enough for us. May that be the truth that we live in uh, for Mason and for me. Yes. Thank you for Amen. listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll see you next time. Twenty Minutes in the Text is recorded and produced by Andrew Nelson and Mason Veith at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in St. Peter's, Missouri. Andrew and Mason are friends, theologians, and brothers in Christ who find great joy in sharing the gospel message. Join us for Christ's Word, commentary, and conversation, 20 minutes at a time. We hope you enjoy the show.